This is Fantasy Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Book Club. This is the Internet's Book Club and just by listening, you'll remember, my name is Colton Pratt. And I am Sydney Lyerly. And I am Colton Pratt. And today, and I'm still Sydney Lyerly. And today we read <laughs> chapters 17, 18, and 19 of the book we're currently reading, which is Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Yep. I did that out of order this week. It felt weird. That's okay. It felt weird while I was doing it. It felt wrong. But... well. It's because it was wrong, but it it's was fine. Wrong. We will forgive you this one time. If you ever do it again, <laughs> I will push you off the honor chasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there any prep? Oh, before we get started, we do have a shout out to do. Yes, we do. All right. So um, we have a couple shout outs, actually. Just a few. So first off, um, shout out to my mom. Hi, Sydney's mom. Because she commented a leotard for Colin because... Two you, weeks ago. Yes. If you, if you listened two weeks ago, uh, you... Would have known if you listen all the way to the end that Colin asked you to type leotard. Um, if you still were there. Yes, if you were still there. And so shout out to my mom and shout out to Han Solo, like always, for for typing leotard. We appreciate you for listening to the entire the yeah, entire. Yeah, we appreciate thing. that so much. Yes, we love knowing that you guys actually listened to the entire episode. It's really nice. And then shout out to someone new. Hey. So I'm going to apologize now because I can about guarantee I'm going to say your username wrong. But uh, JB Papal. Mm. Thank you so much. Uh, just commented about how you found our Instagram and start listening to our podcast. And we really, really appreciate that. We yeah. really love that. Um, just thank you so much for commenting. It really made our whole entire day seeing your comment. We loved yep. reading it. Um, so thank you. Like, again, thank yes. you. Thank you. Uh, also, one thing about the comments. If you go look at the Instagram, the comments that they left is they said leotard for Colton. Both of them did. <laughs> yes. Which I think makes me think that in the episode, what I said was <laughs> type leotard for Colton. Yeah. The word I wanted was leotard. <laughs> and then the for Colton is because sometimes I talk in the third person for no reason. <laughs> and so I think genuinely, like, I was not meaning to say the three words leotard for Colton. It's supposed to be the word leotard for me, Colton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We appreciate your comments anyways. If you guys... um. If you're listening and you're new and you haven't gone and followed us on Instagram, what are you doing? Loser. Um, but our Instagram is Fantasy Book Club Podcast. So go check that out. Um, leave a comment. We will give you a shout out. We love getting comments. They make our entire day. Absolutely. So now we're going to get into it. Finally. Actually, real quick before oh, we do no. get into it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> ne- next week, we have a long list of, sto- of uh, chapters you have to read. So uh, chapter 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24. So chapter 20 through 24 next week. They're shorter chapters, but there's a lot of them. So make sure you read all of them. Uh, yes. And we'll look forward to hearing from you. But, but before we get to that week, we got to do this week. Sydney, yeah. begin All us. right. Chapter 17 is called A Bloody Red Sunset. And the little uh, letter rattle thingy at the beginning says, Letter rattle. Might I be quite frank? Before you asked why I was so concerned, it is for the following reason. And we, and don't, we don't get, get to know reason. the reason. Yeah, we don't get to know the reason. At the beginning of my chapter, we might get to know the reason. I don't, even don't remember what, I don't remember what your chapter even Neither said, do to be I. honest. <laughs> um, okay, so we start off with uh, uh, Syl and Kaladin are talking. Uh, they're at uh, Kaladin's at an apothecary, and yeah. Syl, the guy's really old, and Syl's like, man, this guy is old. He's really old. He's wicked old. But um, basically, uh, Kaladin's at the apothecary because he's trying to get some stuff to help heal his people when they go on bridge runs. Yep. So he wants, like, bandages. He wants, um, like different types of medicines like um i can't think of the word right now he wanted some sap 
Yes, some kind. he wanted like stuff to put in like the wounds and things like that to help yeah. clean them. Um, and so he's talking to this apothecary and he's naming all these things. And the apothecary's like, "How do you know this?" And Kaladin's like, "Well, I was a surgeon, or like I'm the son of a surgeon. You know, I wasn't always a slave. That kind of thing." He wants Lister's oil or knobweave sap. Yes, that those are the two things. Yes, uh, he wants antiseptic is the word I was yeah. looking for. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I couldn't remember what the word I was looking for, but he wants antiseptic for the wounds. Uh, but basically, this uh, apothecary is trying to charge him a crap ton because the stuff is expensive and rare and rare. Yeah, it's like hard to get. And so Kaladin obviously doesn't have that money. So um, well, he, he tries to like bargain it down and it doesn't doesn't really work. And when he says the price, uh, Kaladin's like, you're joking. I saw knobweeds right outside of my way in. Yeah. Um, but apparently you only get one drop per weed. And so it's very hard to collect enough to use. Yes. Reasonably. Which makes sense. Like, yeah, I, I get it. Um, there's nothing really the apothecary can do. It's not really his fault. I don't really blame him. We don't know him, but I don't really blame him in this situation. Yeah. Um, but he tells Kaladin how much it's going to cost, and Kaladin's like, well, I don't have that much. So basically, all Kaladin buys is the bandages. Yeah. Um, I don't think he buys anything else. It's just the bandages, because that's what he can afford. Yeah. Um, and we actually find out, so he gives uh, Kaladin, or Kaladin gives the apothecary the spheres that he got from Gaz the day before. And they're already, the spheres are infused, or not infused, they're already uninfused. Like, the light's yeah. gone from them. And the guy's like, you're trying to give me dull spheres? What is this? Dun spheres, actually. Dun spheres, sorry, my bad. D- dull spheres are called dun spheres. Yes. Well, 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 no, dun spheres are spheres that, like, don't glow properly. Like, they lose their light too fast. So that means yeah. something's wrong with the gem inside. Yeah. Um. So that, that that's a dun sphere. Yeah, and Cowden's like, well, they were literally glowing this morning. I don't know what happened. And only one of them is still glowing. Right. Um, but the apothecary decides to trust him, and he keeps the the Dun spheres, um, even though he's not super super duper thrilled about it, and lets Kaladin keep his one glowing infused one. Uh, sphere. Absolutely. Um, and I think we maybe talked about this before, uh, but the spheres become infused if you let left out during a high storm. Yep. So I just wanted to put that out there. So, so like a dull sphere, a sphere with no light is worth the same as a sphere with light. Yeah. As long as the gem inside is good, because all you have to do is leave it out in the, st- in the storm and it'll start glowing again. Yeah. Um, but we're not sure why the ones Kaladin got from Gaz aren't really. G- give me a great. guess. What do you think? I think Gaz is, is cheaping him out. With bad spheres. Yeah. I, that's good what guess. I think. Good guess. Um, But so that's kind of what happens in Kaladin. Kaladin leaves with his uh sphere and he picks up uh the bandages that he bought. And he heads on out onto the into like the camp, and he's kind of walking around, and he uh, is talking to Sphil uh, or Sphil, <laughs> Sil. Sorry, no, Sil, Sil, Sile. I said, I said Sil. <laughs> I meant Sil. Okay. Okay. Um, but he's talking to uh, Sil about how Sil's like, well, people are discord. Like everyone acts differently. Like, you all fight. Like you don't yeah. get along. And uh, she actually says. You all act differently and think differently. Nothing else is like that. Animals act alike and all sprint are, in a sense, virtually the same individual. There's harmony in that, but not in you. It seems that no two of you can agree on anything. All the world does as it, as it is supposed to, except for humans. Maybe that's why you so often want to kill each other. But Kaladin does say. And yeah, Kaladin says, but not all wind sprint act alike. Like, you're proof of that. Yeah. Uh, I just think that's a little, it's a cute Interesting interaction. The uh, interesting anecdote by Syl. Yes. Um, but also, Syl seems concerned by the fact that she doesn't act alike. Yes. She's like, I know. Maybe you can see now why it bothers me. Yeah. Which I get. And I yeah. don't blame her. Like, I mean, she she has a solid point about humans. Yeah. Like, part of the reason, 
I mean, I guess animals also kill each other, but yeah, they do that differently. Like they don't do that just to kill they each other. They purpose. do it for a purpose. So like food, you know, like being the top on like mm-hmm. the. Which I guess kind of humans do too. Like they yeah. want to be the top of everything, but that's it's not, also, not the same. That's not always the case. There are no yeah. uh, other other hyper intelligent animals do occasionally kill for fun. Like uh, there's and not just necessarily kill, but harm. Yeah, like, there's videos of octopuses sitting in stealth until a, uh, just a random fish comes by and they punch it as hard as they can just to see if they can or like uh, yeah uh killer whales will launch seals just to see how high they That's can launch terrible. them yeah so like yeah so some hyper intelligent animals do do that but yes. it's mostly humans it's mostly humans but you know so sales sales is talking about this and it is interesting to see that she obviously is very different than other spren um but as Calden gets back to uh where he needs to be for uh, Bridge 4. Um, yep. The first afternoon bell rings. Yep. And he gets there right in time, which is good. Because he he would get in trouble if he wasn't. And Gaz is not a fan that he got there like right on time. He was hoping. Like Gaz, Gaz seems to be constantly frustrated by Kaladin. Yeah. No matter what Cal does, Gaz is not a fan. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but right after he gets there, uh, a horn blows. And so that means that they have to go on a bridge run. So basically... New pe- new bridges are running. Oh, and now you're running. It's so like yeah. And the the uh, people who just got off a shift are like relieved. So thankful. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they just missed out on having to go on a bridge run by yep. a couple seconds. Yep. Um. But so they start gathering. Uh. Kaladin shouts to his people. Uh. Like get in line. You know, line up. They're all kind of ignoring him, but they do get in line and start doing their thing. Yeah. Because that's what they know they have to do. Um. And this section just kind of talks about the fact that there's like a rotation they have to go through. So, um, you know, they they turn around. If you can't cheat, you know, you can't try and get a better position at the end of the run. Yeah. So like, like just everybody, like that. everybody gets put in every position on the bridge. Yes. Except the bridge leader who ends up at like the very back and like the best spot. So the bridge leader on the run up to the plateau. Yeah. Runs the front where it's most comfortable. Yes. And then uh, when they do the switch, he always runs at the very back to try and keep bridge leaders alive longer than everybody else. Yes. So they get the best spots. Yes, they do get the best spots. Um, This entire section basically is just talking about how they mm-hmm. how they run, like yep. the details, um, Gaz calling out directions while they run, um, that kind of thing. Kaladin is being like almost a show off again. Uh, every time they stop, he's like, no, I'm going to stand. Yeah. Which is super foolish because he needs to rest. Like, he well, really, really needs to rest. It's not really to show off. It's more of, like, to make no. a point. Yes. Like, no. Show off is not the right word. Yeah, it's just the first word that came to my mind. Can we do a little dramatic reading of the interaction here he has with one of the soldiers? Yeah, for sure. Here it goes. Ho, little bridge man. A soldier called from among those waiting their turn. Curious at what real soldiers look like? Kaladin turned towards the man. A solid, brown-eyed fellow with arms the size of many men's thighs. He was a squad leader by the knots on his shoulders of his leather jerkin. Kaladin had borne those knots once. How do you treat your spirit and shield, squad leader? Kaladin called back. The man frowned, but Kaladin knew what he was thinking. A soldier's gear was his life. You cared for your weapon as you cared for your children, often seeing to its upkeep before you took food or rest. Kaladin nodded to the bridge. This is my bridge, he said in a loud voice. It is my weapon. The only one allowed me. Treat her well. Or you'll do what? Called one of the other soldiers, prompting laughter among the ranks. The squad leader said nothing. He looked troubled. Kaladin's words were bravado. In truth, he hated the bridge. Still, he remained standing. So, it's interesting to see how he kind of interacts with these soldiers. He does have kind of a good point. Yeah. Like, 
this is the only thing he has now. Yeah. And so he's going to like try and protect it. And the whole thing of like the squad leader was genuinely like, oh crap. Because yeah. it's he spoke in a way that people who like the army people would be under like be able to relate to in a way that they did not expect. Yes. Um and so like it catches the squad leader off. And also it changes it shows why he's standing. That kind of a thing where the uh-huh. idea of like if you're I'm gonna treat this like it's my duty. Yes. And if it's my duty, I'm gonna treat it with respect. I'm gonna stand while it's while you're walking. And yeah. yeah, I, I yeah. Mean, um so right after this conversation, uh also, Sadius walks by. This is the same day as his grueling run in the morning. Yes. So he is so he also is kind of wasted. Like like I said wasted. All his energy has been wasted. He yes. is not wasted. He's very tired. Yeah. Um anyway, so uh right after this little interaction, uh Sadius walks by on his horse. He goes across a uh, Cowden's bridge. And Kaladin is like, this is a man that I hate yeah. so, so much because yeah. he knows that other um, high princes don't use the bridge, um, the bridgemen. Uh, yeah. So he really hates Sadius, which seems fair. And Kaladin also still hasn't pieced together why bridgemen can't have shields, which is yeah. something that we've been told as yes. the reader yes. is because it makes them basically their whole purpose is to die. So the army doesn't. Yes. But Kaladin still hasn't pieced that together yet. Yeah. Um. But he he's not a big fan of Sadius, and so he doesn't uh like uh bow or anything, which he realizes that maybe he should because he doesn't want to get in trouble. He wants to show respect and he doesn't want to get in trouble. Even though he really, really hates him, yes. he doesn't want to get in trouble and risk like being killed or something stupid. Fair enough. Um so next time so every time they stop, Kaladin continues to stand, even yep. though he really doesn't want to. Yep. And next time he sees Sadius, he gives a bow. He yep. knows he thinks Sadius doesn't deserve it, which from him is fair. Um but he decides to do it anyways because he doesn't want to be punished. Um so uh, as we continue on, Kaladin uh, continues to run, he you know, continues to do to do the the thing, and as they're going, they spot the Parshendi up ahead. Which they know is not a good sign because that means people are gonna die. Hey, we ju- I know we just did one, but this interaction also I think deserves us to give it a little dra- drama. Okay, you ready to go? Yep. Here it goes. He looked over the bridgemen. His member resigned, despondent, terrified. If they refused to run, they'd be executed. If they did run, they'd face the arrows. They didn't look towards the distant line of Parchendi archers. Instead, they looked down. They are your men, Kaladin told himself. They need you to lead them, even if they don't know it. How can you lead from the rear? He stepped out of line and rounded the bridge. Two of the men, Drehe and Teft, looked up in shock as he passed. The death point, the spot in the very center of the front, was being held by Rock, the beefy, tan-skinned horn eater. Cowden tapped him on the shoulder. You're in my spot, Rock. The man glanced at him with surprise. What? To the back with you. Rock frowned. Nobody ever tried to jump ahead in the order. You're an airsick lowlander, he said with his thick accent. You wish to die? Why do you not just go leap in the chasm? That would be easier. I'm bridge leader. It's my privilege to run at the front. Go. Rock shrugged, but did as ordered, taking Kaladin's position at the back. Nobody said a word. If Kaladin wanted to get himself killed, who were they to complain? So... Okay, Rock got lucky, just saying. <laughs> Rock is probably the luckiest person ever. Rock got lucky. Um, But also, Kaladin is such a good dude. Yep. Like, the fact that he is willing to put his life on the line for these men who don't even like him is amazing to me. Like, that is it's just such a good thing to do. Yep. Like, he's using his position to be like, look, I'm going to protect you. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to protect all everybody. Yes, that's, that, his, whole that's thing. his goal. Um, 
that's a really awesome thing uh, he he did. But as he gets to the front, he turns around and says, he says, the longer we take to get this bridge down, the more arrows they can loose at us. Stay firm, stay determined, and be quick. Raise bridge. And so they just start running. When Gaz yells assault, they yep. start running. Um, and they go as fast as they can. Cowden is like dying. Like he's so exhausted, but right. he knows that they need to get there as fast as possible. Um, he sees the bows come up from the Parshendi and the arrows start start going. And when the arrows start flying, he thinks of Tian. Doesn't think. He screams Tian. Or he screams Tian. Tian! Yes. Um, and for some reason, why, what did that happen? Uh, uncertain is why, as Wall of Arrows zipped toward him, Calden felt a jolt of energy, a surge oh, yeah. of sudden strength, unanticipated, unexplained. Yeah, he suddenly he suddenly gets a lot of a lot of energy a when he screams about Tian. Yeah. Um, but that that's a sad little thing. Yeah. Uh, but the arrows start landing. Um, the people around him start dying or like getting hit with them. Yep. Uh, which is not not great. Like literally, all the people in the front row except for Calden get whacked. Yeah. Which is not great. Calden doesn't even know if he's been hit. Because he's got so much energy and alarm. Like, he's full of, like, adrenaline right now. Um, so he he's continuing to running, screaming. You know, he's Wait, holding the bridge. Real quick, one more thing to to note. Okay. Uh, he, he looks at the Parshendis. He saw their marbled skin, strange reddish and orange helms, and simple brown clothing. They appeared confused. Why are they confused? I don't know. I, I was very confused about that. Yeah, no. I was confused like the Parshendi. <laughs> well, I wonder if maybe something happened to Kaladin because he got so much energy. So mm-hmm. I wonder if something happened. Like maybe Syl gave him energy or something or just maybe Tien gave him energy somehow. Maybe, maybe if your Tien Syl theory is correct, then Tien heard his name through Syl's murky mind and well, gave Kaladin that, energy. I don't know that. That was Sil's Tien. Did I make that theory? That, you made remember. a theory a couple of episodes ago, episodes ago that, that Tien's soul was in Syl. Could be. Um, but yeah, uh, for some reason, the, just th- uh, some, some, that is something to note. Yeah, that the Parshendi looked confused, and it brought uh, it bought bridge for a few seconds to get the bridge in place. Yeah, um, but yeah, as they as they drop the bridge, uh, an arrow hits Kaladin in the side. Um, yep. He's fine. He doesn't actually really feel it that much, mm-hmm. uh, just because again he's got so much adrenaline that he's not really thinking about it. It bounced off his bone. What a terrible description of the way a, that. That makes me hurt. Yeah. The arrow hit him in the ribs and an angle bounced off his rib and then deflected somewhere else. Yep. That's awful. Yep. I guess that's kind of why we have bones, to be fair. Yeah. But it does really gross me out. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Um, but they drop the bridge and Kaladin falls onto his knees and he looks at like his side and like recognizes that it's not really of any danger. He thinks like he hears it in like his father's voice. Yeah. Um, so he knows that he's gonna be okay. But what he decides to do instead of just laying there, he uh, is like, I'm not done yet. I need to save other people. And so he stands up, even though he's really tired, yep. doesn't want to. Yep. He stands up and he uh, goes over to a man named Haber who has an arrow through the leg. And so Kaladin grabs him and pulls him away from the bridge. Yep. Um, and he drops them behind. The other bridgemen are hiding behind like a little cleft, like in a rock. Yep. Um, they're hiding. They're hiding there. And so he drops... Um, Hobber. Hobber off. Uh, the arrow hadn't hit like anything major, so he he knows he'll be okay. He's in a lot of pain, but mm-hmm. he'll be okay. Um, worst case scenario, he just like loses the leg, I guess, but um, <laughs> he'll he'll survive. Yeah, or he should. Um, and so he heads back out to go to the next one and finds uh, a a bridge man dead. Um, so Kaladin leaves the body. He finds another guy uh, named Gadol who has a deep wound in the side where an arrow had passed like all through the way him. through him, yeah. which is 
awful. Um, he's still alive though, which is kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kaladin uh, drags him over to, back to the cleft and uh, starts. Um, it's worth noting. It's worth noting. Kaladin grabbed him and slid him out of the way right as the army who he's running with yeah. tried to trample where he was. They don't care about the body. They're going to trample that guy. So Kaladin saved his life a second time by pulling him out of the way before the cavalry like stomped on him to death. Yeah. So he brings him over there and immediately heads back out because there's still other bridgemen missing. Like yeah. all the people from the front. And he finds um, another man named Dabid who his arm is like broken and is yeah. at a weird angle. Um, he grabs uh, Dabid, who doesn't even notice that Kaladin's there. Like he's in in shock. He has no idea what's going on. Um, and Kaladin drags Dabid back over um, to the the rock. Um, and Kaladin again is like exhausted. Like he is yeah. so tired. He can like not stand. Like he's struggling. And he, has, um, he doesn't he doesn't quite manage to make the bit get the bid to the cleft. Yeah. He's close. Yeah. Um and Rock again uh pops up and is like, What are you doing? Er are you and Cowden's like, There's four out there. We need to find them. Like we we need to we need to find them. And Rock is like, Okay, fine, whatever. I'll go find them. And so he he heads out and uh Teft also uh heads out with Rock to go and look for them, which I appreciate from both of them. I wasn't a big fan of Rock. But I do appreciate yeah. the fact that he is also willing to go out and uh, look for the bridgemen who are missing. Rock is so funny. He goes, idiot, stay here. He's all right. I will do this thing. So he's... he's Guess bas- I'm an idiot too. <laughs> yeah, he, he's basically like so mad that Kaladin is is like risking his life. He thinks it's so dumb. But he's like, fine. And he goes to do it as well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I don't hate him because You have any theories as to why? I think Rock is secretly a good person. I think maybe he also was like a soldier or something. Okay. Um, or like some kind of. He's from the mountains, which is if that means anything. To you. That doesn't yeah. mean anything he's, to me. Yeah, he's from a place that's the but mountains. I, I get the vibes that maybe he also was some kind of like soldier or someone who was meant to protect people. Yeah, and so that's why he is willing to go out. And same with like Teft. Like I just think Teft is a good person. Also. Yep. Like I, I like Teft a lot. Fair enough. Um, because Teft also also went out. Um, so Kaladin is currently like in a lot of pain, but uh, the others are going out to look for the four that are missing. And Cowden goes over to the three that he has that are wounded. Um, yeah. He decides Haber, who has the arrow through the leg, could wait. He'll be fine. Uh, Dabid also can wait because he only has a ho- broken arm. Mm-hmm. But Gadol is not doing well because he's got a whole hole in his side. Um, and Cowden looks at it and he's like, I don't have an operating table. I don't have antiseptic. Like, yeah. what am I supposed to do? And he asks uh, one of the bridgemen to go find a knife like off of the body of uh, someone a soldier who has fallen. Yep. And then someone else to build a fighter or fire. Not a fighter. A fire. Calvin is a fighter. He doesn't need one built. He is. Yes. <laughs> he, he, you are right. Um. No. But to build a fire and. Uh, so Kaladin asks a guy named Dunny to grab the knife and a guy named Narm to make the fire. Yeah. And um, uh, Narn Narm also has uh, or not Narm. Sorry. Another guy has a flint and steel. A guy named Moash, Moash has flint and steel. You remember who he is? He's the guy that Kaladin drug out. The first yes. guy that got drugged out. Yeah. So uh, Moash has flint and steel, and he is, he gives it up to uh, to Kaladin, and Kaladin gives up his shirt so that they can burn it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Narm starts to uh, make the make the fire. Narm. Hello, I'm Narm. My name is Narm. <laughs> Narm is such a, a silly Narm. sounding. I'm Narm. <laughs> Narm. Okay, sorry. Um, Continue. But Kaladin starts to take off a uh, Godol's shirt to look at the look at the wound, and it's like bad. Yeah, like bad, bad. Like Kaladin is is worried about it. Um, 
Narm is having issues uh, with the fire. Dunny finally returns. Um, Kaladin is uh, putting the bandage that he, bandages he has against Gadol. So now we know why he bought the bandages for sure. We know that he brought them to bring them on the bridge run. Yeah. Which is good. Um, eventually, uh, Narm does, in fact, get the fire going. Good job, Narm. They uh, take the, the blade and put it over the fire uh, to warm it up, to like heat it up so that it gets all the like the germs off of it i would assume yeah I don't, it, that, he also it sears oh yes it, sears it also yeah you're right uh, so like if, if there's a if there's something like bleeding very badly and you press a hot thing to it it'll sear the skin together essentially yeah and like force it to stop bleeding yeah but basically uh rock while they're doing this rock and tef show back up and the other three that are dead they found the other three bridge men and they're dead but they do find Leighton, who's alive. He's got two arrows sticking out of him, and he is not doing well. Like <laughs> he's really, really not doing well. Um, so Calvin immediately starts trying to to uh, help him uh, with the uh, the the knife that is now hot. Um, and Calvin's like telling Leighton, "You're not gonna die. You're not gonna die. You're gonna survive. Don't die. Don't you dare die." And he's like trying to uh, help. Wait, what happened to Gadol? I don't actually know what happened to Godal. Godal ends up dying. Oh, Godal did but die. But right before he dies, what's he say? There's something noticeable about the white oh, he weapons. Says, they break the land itself. They want it, but in their rage, they will destroy it. Like the jealous man burns his rich things rather than let them be taken by his enemies. They come. Sounds like one of the death rattles. Taken on the fourth, the fourth day of Slash, 1174, Godal, bridge man. Yeah, seriously. That's it. It's a death rattle right before he died. Yeah, it is uh, a death rattle. 30 seconds before death. And so, by the way, so Sydney kind of like skipped this by mistake. It wasn't on purpose. Yeah. He dies. Kaladin has a moment where he tries to break down, then hears his father's voice telling him that he can't. Yeah. And so he, he, that's when he says, keep that fire going, Norm. Norm. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, starts helping the others. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Leighton comes and Kaladin's basically like on this m- mantra to Leighton, like, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. Don't you dare die. Yeah. Um, Leighton is still breathing. He does manage to get like a tourniquet on and like uh, mm-hmm. to sear some of the wounds. And like, um, that's really about all he can he can do with Leighton. But Leighton is still breathing. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, He's not he hasn't died yet. Kaladin's doing OK. And so Kaladin, after he he gets Leighton, he does what he can with Leighton. He uh, starts to um, help the others. So he uh, uses like the cleanest portion of the of the bandage that he has left that he used on a uh, Gadol to tie it around a uh, Haber's wound. So Haber's the one with the bad leg, and then he starts working on Dabid, who has the bad arm, whose arm is broken. Mm-hmm. He uses his shirt to tie his arm into place. Um, so they do that. Uh, Teft, after Cowden's got all this stuff worked out, he kind of just sits there and is like, I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what I imagine. Like, I used to, I used to swim in high school and mm-hmm. this is the way Cowden feels is how I used to think of like when I would get home or like sit in the car after swim practice and I would just sit there and I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> like I just sit yeah. in the car and be like, oh, I just want to go to bed. Yeah. Um, that's how I imagine Cowden feels, but like 20 times worse. Um, but Teft brings over some, some water that, or some liquid that they had from, yeah. uh, a water gourd yep. that they were using to help wash out the wounds. And Teft's like, you need to drink this. And Calden's like, no, it There's needs to go help. to the other, the well, other wounds. And Teft's like, drink. Yeah. Which I like Teft for. Teft is a good guy. Yeah. I like Teft. Um, 
So Kaladin drinks it, and this helps him a little bit. And then Rock continues to be a negative Nancy. Well, Teft first asks, like, where he learned to heal. And Kaladin's like, well, I didn't always used to be a slave. And Rock's like, these things aren't going to help. Like, do you realize that it's not going to make a difference? Gaz isn't even going to let the wounded come along. Like, they're not allowed to come back. Yeah. And Kaladin's like, I don't care. I'll I'll deal deal with Gaz. Gaz. And then he tells them to return the knife because they don't want to be accused of uh, thievery. Right. Um, so they they go back and uh, return the, the knife. Um, and he says, when the time comes to leave, I want two men in charge charge of Leighton and two men in charge of Haber. We'll tie them to the top of the bridge and carry them. At the chasms, you'll have to move quickly and untie them before the army crosses. Then retie them at the end. We'll also need someone to lead Debid if his shock hasn't passed. And Rock's like, Gaz isn't going to like this. And Cowden's like, okay, I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to ignore you. And so the battle keeps fighting. Um mm-hmm. The long one. The Parshani do eventually uh, leave. And they run away. They jump across the chasms with their weirdly powerful legs. Weirdly powerful legs. Okay, wait. Here's an issue. Yeah? We've already done two this chapter. But every interaction that Kaladin has with somebody feels very impactful. Yeah. And so I would like to do this interaction with Gaz. Okay. To finish off this chapter. That's fine. Okay, here it goes. He found Gaz watching from well behind the battle lines. He glanced at Kaladin with his one eye. How much of that blood is yours? Cowden looked down, realizing for the first time that he was crusted with dark, flaking blood, most belonging to the men he'd worked on. He didn't answer the question. We're taking our wounded with us. Gaz shook his head. If they can't walk, they stay behind. Standing orders, not my choice. We're taking them, Cowden said. No more firm, no more loud. Bright Lord Lemuril won't stand for it. Lemuril was Gaz's immediate superior. You'll send Bridge for last to lead the wounded soldiers back to camp. Lamoureux won't go with that troop. He'll go on ahead with the main body, as he won't want to miss Sidious's victory feast. Gaz opened his mouth. My men will move quickly and efficiently, Kaladin said, interrupting him. They won't slow anyone. He took the last sphere from his pocket and handed it over. You won't say anything. Gaz took the sphere, snorting. One clear mark? You think that would make me take a risk this big? If you don't, Kaladin said, voice calm. I will kill you and let them execute me. Gaz blinked in surprise. You'd never. Cowden took a single step forward. He must have looked a dreadful sight, covered in blood. Gaz paled. Then he cursed, holding up the dark sphere. And a dun sphere at that. Cowden frowned. He was sure it had still glowed before the bridge run. That's your fault. You gave it to me. Those spheres were newly infused last night, Gaz says. They came straight from Bright Lord Sadius's treasurer. What did you do with them? Kaladin shook his head, too exhausted to think. Still landed on his shoulder as he turned to walk back to the bridgeman. What are they to you? Gaz called after him. Why do you even care? They're my men. So that's so good character for Kaladin. Yes. We see why he did it. Yes. Kaladin is going to treat these people like they are his responsibility. He's going to yes. actually care and take care of them. This is huge. Yep. Side thing, theory time. What's with the spheres? They're apparently brand new from, Ga- from Gaz. I still think that someone whether i don't trust gaz i don't trust that gaz <laughs> is giving him fair enough yeah. i don't trust that gaz is giving him actual um like good spheres right but if he is and he truly doesn't know why they're not staying infused mm-hmm. i wonder if maybe the guy who's giving them to give to like the treasurer yes the treasurer is just giving them not good ones because they don't really truly care about the bridgeman at all fair enough that's my thought okay yeah. Um, but anyways, 
uh, as they're leaving Gaz behind, Sills like, I don't trust him. Like, yeah. you know, all this. Um, and he, she says, you could just say you threatened him and send men to arrest. Or he could just say you threatened him and send men to arrest you. Yeah. And Catelyn's like, well, maybe he will. I don't know. I guess I just have to count on uh, him wanting more of my bribes. And um, as they c- continue on, uh, like I said, the the Parshendi, like have have left. Um, but they actually leave their their dead behind. So the Alethi, when they have dead, they come back and get them eventually, and like burn them and to send their spirits off to the afterlife. But that's, the Parshendi yeah. just leave them there. Yeah, that's the religion for the Alethi is like soldiers get burned to the afterlife. The Parshendi just don't bother with their dead. Yeah. Um. But uh, Syl is like still kind of on about the spheres thing. She's like, that doesn't seem like much to count on that he's yeah. going to continue to keep and like be okay with the bribes. Yeah. And Calden's like, well, maybe not. But honestly, what? There's nothing else I can do about it. I'm doing what I can. And then this chapter ends with another baller sentence, as he does with many of his chapters. Yes. You want to so read it? So it says, um. Well, I'll read this part right here. It says, what you said earlier is right. Men are unreliable in many things. But if there's one thing you can count on, it's their greed. It was a bitter thought, but it had been a bitter day. A hopeful, bright beginning and a bloody red sunset. Just like every day. He knows how to end a chapter. Yes. His chapters end in such a like a fun baller way. Yes. It's it's. uh honestly really really uh uh exciting to me to get yeah. to the end of a chapter yeah um all right we are we kind of did theories mid chapter as we were going um and yeah now it's my turn chapter 18 uh before chapter 18 in some editions of the book apparently there's a little map of the 10 of the 10 uh war camps i'm offended i don't get the map yeah sydney's version doesn't have a map for some reason that makes me sad i have the other things why I do have i not map. get a map haha <laughs> i'm a map loser haha <laughs> And now we get to see what the uh, next part of the letter is, too. So what? What? go back, Sydney, and check. What did your letter say leading up to... You remember how we said that the yeah. letter had like a, like a cliffhanger? Well, I wonder if the letters all go in order. Like, I don't know if Oh, uh, you don't know? Do it could be not. random. So uh, I think they maybe do. But my letter before said, may, might I be quite frank? Before you asked why I was so concerned, it is for the following reason. And then it says, A.T. was once a kind, generous man. And you saw what became of him. Ray's, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I had ever met. You know what I should do? What should you do? I should go through and put all the letters in order and just see if they make an actual full-blown letter by the time they're done. Well, we at the end of the book, we're going to do that. That's going to be in a wrap-up for I sure. But I want to do that now just because I want to see. But what if it spoils something? That's but my I want to see. My fear for these is it's supposed to be an after-book thing. I don't know if this is be an after-book or a during-book kind of thing. Well, I want to make it into a during book thing. Well, we'll get. I mean, I would only it would only get added to after each chapter, that's so true. it wouldn't really matter. Okay, that's fair. You can do that. I will. I'm going to go into go ahead with uh, chapter 18. This is a uh, Adolin Dalinar chapter. Yes. Um, and it opens with some Adolin taking the leather strap that had been we think maybe cut and taking it to some leather workers. Yes. And then the leather workers give us the most baller like psych that you've ever seen in this book so far. Oh, for they, sure. They open with it's been cut, and then they immediately go to, yeah, man, somebody should pay more attention. When they laid this down, it definitely got sliced. And it's like, okay, so wait, has it? Wait, no, leather worker, did it get cut? Yeah. Or are you just kind of making it up as you go, my man? Yep. Oh, and so that's that's kind of the the issue is uh, we are unsure. What, we're still, basically, we learn nothing. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't learn much, but it's fine. Um, and also, we learn uh, the leather workers. There's two people. 
Uh, one of them is named Yis, who is a um, who? Wait, which? I'm sorry to remember what what is Yis? Yis is a Yis is um, the uh, Iriali. one guy. He's yeah, Iriali. So which he's got really golden hair, like metallic golden hair. Yes, and he is. Uh, he is basically hiding his hair because Iriali hair is supposed to be good luck, and so he doesn't want people to cut his hair off. Or kill him to get his hair. That's how I took it. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense, too. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I guess that maybe it has... It depends if it has uh, Tangled Rules or not. Tangled <laughs> Rules. Great movie, by the way. Yeah. I heard they're making a sequel. Like, not a sequel. um, A live-action version of it. And all I have to say is Disney... If you ruin it, <laughs> I will be so upset with you. Hey Disney, why can't you just leave it be, my friends? Honestly, that too. That it's it was a it's not old and it was a good movie the way it is. Yep. There's nothing you're improving anyway. Back to this. Um uh, Adolin's uh, uh woman that's with him keeps being like, "My friends, we're supposed to go be going on a walk." And yep. Adolin says this little interaction. Uh he says, "Yes, we'll be getting right to that soon. It'll be Grand. Lots of prancing, sauntering, and er, and then the Iriali man goes, promenading? That's and funny. I like that Adeline, word, promenading. Adeline goes, isn't that, type, isn't that a type of drink? Er, no, Bright Lord. I'm fairly certain it's another word for walking. Well then, Adolin said, we'll do plenty of it too. Promenading. I always love a good promenading. <laughs> love it. I'm a big fan of Adolin. Yes, he... I'm a fan too. He's a I like goose. he's got a fun little sense of humor. He's a little bit of a player. He's a little silly goose. But that's fine. Oh yeah. So essentially, uh then that whole interaction is just to say, you've learned nothing. It could have been cut and it could have not been cut. Honestly, yep. I am so unclear as to why this section was in the book. Cause at the end of this interaction, it's like, wait, no, we don't know if it was cut or if it was natural. Brandon was like Ha ha. Pranked you ya. Thought. That's what Brandon Sanderson said when he wrote this, I think. Yeah. Um, then they uh, do some promenading. Uh, Adolin and his woman do. Um, promenading. Love it. I, that's a fun word. I like promenading. Yeah. What's the woman he's with name right now? Um, uh, her name Yala, is... Yala, uh, Janala. 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 It's Janala. Janala, yes. Or Yanala, depending if it's a, a soft or hard J. I don't know. Um, I'm a Yanala. Yanala, yeah. Um, and then uh, basically then they go on a walk. Kaladin goes with Yanala on a walk. Uh, sorry, Adolin goes with Yanala on a walk. Yes. Adolin is all up in his head thinking about like what this means. Could it have been on purpose? They, he doesn't know. And then he cut, jumps back into Yanala's conversation with I her saying. I love you feel bad for her because oh, yeah. can you imagine you're on a date with a man and he just straight up like is ignoring you? <laughs> <laughs> Taking you to investigate a murder attempt would be pretty fun though. Okay, I would actually be all for that. Yes. I would be down for that. Great first date. <laughs> Maybe not first date. But like, <laughs> that would yeah. be fun. You actually, you know it would be so fun? What? They have like things where you can do like a fake like yes. case file thing. And yes. that would be fun. I would enjoy that. Um, And then uh, basically Yanala says that she, that uh, Adolin needs to talk to his father to try and get his father to loosen up on the codes so that peop- all, the, all the soldiers can stop wearing such unfashionable uh, soldiers uniforms. Yes. Which I guess is fair, but um, Adolin's like, I, you're not going to change his mind. Like he he's de- dedicated to these codes, yes. and now he kind of gets it because he knows the backstory of the codes. Like because in the last chapter, Dalinar told him um, about the fact that his brother told him to, to honor the codes the day before he died. Yes, so it makes sense that he's kind of into it, but it does make both Yanala and Adolin a little upsetty. A little upsetty. Uh, and then uh, Adolin hears the horns 
by the way, this is a cut back in time, by the way. Aelin hears the horns that yes. Sadius' army just went and got in the last yes. chapter. And he's like, oh, we could race him for it. Like, it's close enough that, that our army has a chance. And, um, but the third horn saying that Dalinar's army is going to go try and get it never comes. Uh, yep. Which makes Adolin sad because he kind of wishes that his father would try and get a gem heart. But you know what? That's not what Dalinar's about right now. Dalinar's not about this money, He's got money, money. Better things to do. Wow, my voice. He's like, got better things to do. Crack there. Um, and then uh, Adel- the Adolin's little section ends with him telling, uh, basically. Come on, Yanala, we're going to do more chores and then drags her off in a different direction. I feel Loki so bad for her. Yeah. I know I said that earlier. Yeah. But like, this sucks for her. Yeah, she, she's definitely got, got it tough for sure. Yeah, I would, I'm not about, no, I would be upset. Yeah. And then it cuts to a Dalinar and Dalinar is like on the walk up towards uh, Elikar's castle. Elikar's yes. castle is like not in the war camps. It's kind of like its own little uh, standalone place. Yeah. Um. And Dalinar is talking to a woman who's one of his attendants. Yep. Uh, and he's basically talking about like, um, listener, I'm going to level with you here. I literally read this chapter twice because I knew I was going to talk about it. And both times, all of the information from the chapter just kind of slipped out of my mind. Yeah. For some reason, I this chapter in particular, I find so boring. Like I've had issues getting through this chapter in particular right now. Her name is uh, Tishav, by the way. Whose name? The uh, lady he's talking Dalinar's talking to. Oh, Tashav. Okay, thank you. Yep. Um, Tashav is one of his attendant scribe people. Uh, and she is like, um, basically, she's coming to tell him, hey, uh, Adolin told me to report that we're talking to a leather worker right now. You know? Yep. And Dalinar, from where he's standing, is checking uh, and seeing that he can see Sadius's army getting ready to go on the bridge run. Yep. So that that's pretty neat. We just saw that happen from a different perspective. So now yeah, that is one. actually really cool. I like that that uh, little shift in yeah perspectives that we get to see. And uh, Teshev says that uh, the grooms who were like carrying for Elokar's ho- horse checked the saddle, but they can't specifically remember checking that piece. So they don't actually have a memory if that piece was frayed before they put it on the horse or after. Yep. So they they could it could have still been basically this whole chapter is saying oh who knows. Yeah, uh, this you said this a little bit earlier that this chapter was not your favorite. It is a little um I don't want to say boring because I don't think anything he writes is boring. Yeah. But it's a little bit kind of like okay. This one's did like, they do it or did they not? What happened? This one's kind of like an information giving chapter. Not much fun really happens. Yes. Other most other chapters have information mixed in with like also I'm running at 300 archers as they shoot bows at me. Yep. And that's kind of interesting. So you get information mixed in. This one's just kind of like the leather workers say, who knows? The accountant says, who knows? Yep. Um, and also the accountant, the scribe tells Dalinar that the other uh, high princes aren't paying their debts ahead of time like they're supposed to be. Yep. Um, and so Not basically, great. Basically, Dalinar is learning like, I'm going to have to bully more people into being better. This is tough. I'm not. He literally thinks I'm not made for politicking. I'm made for trying to murder people. You know what's funny? Yeah. When I read that word politicking, it yeah. made me think of Warbreaker because I didn't know politicking was a word. I thought it was something Colton made up. <laughs> because he mentioned it multiple times in Warbreaker. I might have learned I, it from here. Yes, and I thought it was a word Colton made up. <laughs> and then I learned that it's actually a real word. Yeah. And now I keep seeing it in this book. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to share that. Flashback I, to Warbreaker. If you haven't listened to Warbreaker, go listen to it. This is one of the books, <laughs> by the way, that I... I it, I bet you that's where I got this. It's because this book says it a few times. 
Yeah. And it's the same kind of deal. I never heard it before this book. And now I say it fairly often. So I bet you this book is what gave it to me. Quite likely. Um, also, I don't know why I said that so fast. So if you yeah. didn't understand a word I just said, <laughs> I'm not saying it again. Oh, go back <laughs> go back and play in 0.5 speed. I'll let you figure it out. Um, and then uh, Teshev gives a little bit of... Um, Basically, Dalinar is sad that they're like, oh, they're not going to pay for the things anymore. They're just going to have fire. Uh, some farmers come in because it's it's we've been at war so long. They think that maybe it's time to set up farming here. Yes. And Tejov is like, is that a bad thing? And Dalinar says, I mean, it kind of is because uh, it ma- it means that they become they're thinking of themselves more of independent and not reliant on the king. Yes. And um, he mentions that like uh, he there's readings or studies that show that he had her read that show. Um, that the the son of a new king for, of a new kingdom is the most risk at risk a kingdom can be. Yes, because during the first king, people will follow because they respect the first king, and then during subsequent kings, people will follow because well, we're one nation. It's what we do. We follow yep. the king. But during the first son, they still don't think of themselves as one nation, but they no longer have the the respect to follow the guy. And you so, know, honestly, that makes a whole lot of sense. Absolutely, it does. Like, I've never really thought about it, but reading that, that makes total and complete sense. Yeah. That's all. I just wanted to add that. Um, Basically, you know, Teshev kind of shows that she's sad that Galinar, da- Dalinar is... She's also sad that Dalinar is kind of backing off from the, uh, from the fighting because everybody... He's the freaking Blackthorn, which I'll keep saying because it's awesome. Blackthorn, what a good name. Yeah, um, that is a really great name. He's a freaking Blackthorn. And so everyone's like, go get us more shard plates and shard blades. Because if you kill a if you kill a shard bear, you get their stuff. And everyone thinks that Dalinar alone can do that. And so yeah. they want everyone's like wants Dalinar to go fight so that he can earn his little war camp more shards. Um, and hopefully to give it to um them, essentially. Everybody wants him to do it so that they get it. And uh part of the thing that's funny to me is is uh it's not even like like uh kind of what's the term it's not like hypothetical that's what i'm thinking yeah because dalinar reports that he is he has already earned another shard blade just by killing a shard bearer yeah and he he went ahead and give it to the king like he's supposed to yeah and like none of the other uh uh high princes do yep not great yep um anyway he walks up and he sees um he, he starts basically also asking more of his armies to go patrol the unclaimed hills behind the war camps. Yeah. Essentially, Dalinar is becoming kind of the police of the kingdom. He's not doing anything for wealth. He's doing things for the good of the kingdom exclusively. I love Dalinar. That makes me like Dalinar even more. But it does lead to a lot of like him seeming weak. Two-thirds of, yes. his, of his soldiers are being spent policing neutral ground. Which is which, not not great. Which other other war uh, other high princes are kind of taking advantage of. They're yep. getting the benefits of the police to ground while making fun of Dalinar for not uh, for doing it essentially. Yep. And so Dalinar is doing the worst of both worlds. But he's saying the kingdom needs it, and I'll do what's best for the kingdom. The kingdom needs it, and I'll do what's best for the kingdom. Yep. Which I appreciate. Like that's a good thing. But boy, Holly, does it make Dalinar hard to like? Yeah. Kind of hard to like. Uh, uh, not respect. I respect him a lot. Yeah. But it makes him hard to follow. Yep. Um. And then Renarin comes up and Dalinar. So like now Teshev's kind of left and Renarin appears. And Dalinar says to Renarin, come here. I'd like to talk to you about your little fiasco the other day where you ran into ran in to try and fight something. Yep. And uh, Renarin basically reveals that he is unhappy with himself. He wants I to be so bad for Renarin. He wants to be something more than he is. Yes. He wants to be a fighter, a soldier, but he has a blood sickness that makes him weak and he's untrained. 
And uh, Dallin Argus goes, uh, maybe it's time, like after this little interaction where Renarin is down on himself and Dalinar says, uh, don't say that about my son, essentially, which yeah. I, good father. Yes, good father for sure. I really, really like um, Dalinar. He, a good father, good person, just a good, good dude. I'm a big fan. Um, and then uh, basically Dalinar commits, fine, then you should learn how to fight some more. He, and da- Renarin goes, but my blood sickness. And Dalinar goes, who cares if you're weak, if you're in freaking shard blade and shard plate? And yeah. uh, Dalinar commits the next shard blade and shard plate that he wins. He's going to give to Renarin so that Renarin can train and become like a full fighter boy. Can I read something that Dalinar thinks right as this ends? Because I yeah. think it's it's cute and it's it's sad, but it's sweet. And I, I yeah. Yeah. So Dalinar thinks, I know what it's like to be a second son. Overshadowed by an older brother you love, yet envy at the same time. Stormfather, but I do. I still feel that way. That's so sad. Gavilar is his brother. Yep. That's so sad for him. Yep. Um, but yeah, we cut back to Adeline now. Can I also say really quick? Yes. That Dalinar also thinks about the fact that Renarin, like, Dalinar himself had been very envious of his brother, his older brother. Yeah. Um, when he was alive. But Renarin doesn't act that way. Renarin is very like he like worships yeah, Adeline. Only supportive. Which is amazing. And Dalinar yeah. thinks about how amazing that is of Renarin. So yeah. I just wanted to put that out there too. I really like Renarin as well. Yeah, I, and Dalinar committing the the stuff that he's like, technically it's not allowed what I'm doing. But yes. everybody else breaks this rule and you need it. The and more so I'm Dalinar's like weirdly good father in this moment. Yes. The and, more I get to know um Renarin, the more I start to like Renarin. Yeah. Also like a thing in fathers in like these kind of books often is not willing to be wrong. And Dalinar is kind of willing to be wrong here. He's like on, on a couple of things. One, he starts trying to reprimand uh, Renarin yes. and Renarin is down on himself. And Dalinar is willing to immediately shift and go, hey, no, I'm not mad at you for that. I don't want you to die. Yeah. I'm not mad at you for, for your bravery. You just need to be smarter about the way you do it. And then Dalinar sits there and thinks, how would I feel if, I, if my dad were to tell me this? And in or, instead of getting all defensive and mean, Dalinar just goes, how do I fix it? And he does his best to fix it. Yep. And that's freaking good dad Dalinar. Yep. Weird, good, weirdly good dad moments. Yep. Anyway, back to Adolin moment. Adolin had gone and found, the, uh, went to the Ardentia, where the Ardents live. Yep. Which are uh, holy people who are technically owned by their high prince, but they essentially work on their own. Yeah. Um, and they go and uh, <laughs> when they get to the to the Ardentia, uh, Yanala says, first the Sinky Leatherworker Shop, now the Temple? I had assumed we would walk someplace at least faintly romantic. And Adolin's like, religion is romantic. (laughs) (laughs) He's bad at this. Oh my gosh. I, this might be the end of their little, whatever is going on here. Yeah. (laughs) Yanala might be done with Adolin after this. (laughs) And uh, the artist he's come to talk to is a guy named Kadash. And Kadash is, this is an interaction that I love. This is a little funny interaction. Kadash says, I don't see what the problem is. I think religion is romantic. And Adolin immediately goes, you're an ardent. Besides, that scar makes you a little too unsightly for my taste. Oh, my gosh. Adolin does like a pseudo flirting with this fool, which I think is funny. So silly. That's low-key mean, though, what he says. Your scar is ugly, Kadash. (laughs) They can't marry. Ardents can't get married. So it's not like he's insulting like the guy's actual chances of being married. He's property. Weirdly enough, he's willing property, but he's property. Um, weird. Yep. And then, uh, Kadash is like, are you going to talk to me about the fact that you're not doing anything with your calling? Because everybody at this place picks a calling and a, like a, like a, what's the other word? A calling and like an attribute that they like. 
from a the goal. gods. A goal. A goal. So yeah. uh, Dalinar's calling is uh, lead- leadership and his goal is bravery or something like that. And Aelin's calling is um, uh, dueling. Yes. And so like the idea of the dueling is you level up your vision, you level up your position in the Almighty's eyes by g- f- following your calling. And so yeah. the Ardent is like, you haven't been dueling a lot. And, and it, yeah, he's also, spo- sorry, he's also supposed to make like personal goals and stuff and yeah. like fulfill them. And that's how he proves himself. And, but Adolin can't duel because the codes say that soldiers shouldn't duel except uh, during times of war and technically in a time of war. Yeah. And Adolin doesn't like that. He thinks about the fact that maybe he could just like start dueling. But essentially, uh, eventually, Adolin asks the Ardent a question that, hmm, Sydney, should we dramatically read this one? Yeah, sure. Here it goes. What is it you wish to ask of me, Bray One? The Ardent asked once they reached a more secluded section of the vast chamber. Kadash was differential, though he had tutored and trained Adolin during his childhood. Is my father going mad? Adolin asked. Or could he really be seeing visions sent by the Almighty, as I think he believes? That's a rather blunt question. You've known him longer than most, Kadash, and I know you to be loyal. I also know you to be one who keeps his ears open and notices things, so I'm sure you've heard the rumors. Adolin shrugged. Seems like a time for bluntness if there ever was one. I take it, then, the rumors are not unfounded? Unfortunately, no. It happens during every high storm. He raves and thrashes about, and afterward claims to have seen things. What sort of things? I'm not certain, precisely. Adeline grimaced. Things about the Radiance, and perhaps about what is to come? Katash looked disturbed. That is dangerous territory, Bright One. What you are asking me about risks tempting me to violate my oaths. I am an Ardent, owned by and loyal to your father. But he is not your religious superior. No, but he is the Almighty's guardian of the people, set to watch me and make certain I don't rise above my station. Kadash pursed his lips. There's a delicate balance we walk, right, one? Do you know much of the hierocracy? The War of Loss? The church tried to seize control, Adolin said, shrugging. The priests tried to conquer the world for its own good, they claimed. That was part of it, Kadash said. The part we speak of most often. But the problem goes much deeper. The church back then, it clung to knowledge. Men were not in command of their own religious paths. The priests controlled the doctrine. And few members of the church were allowed to know the theology. They were taught to follow the priests, not the Almighty or the heralds, but the priests. He began walking, leading Adolin around the back room of the temple chamber. They passed statues of the heralds, five male, five female. In truth, Adolin knew very little of what Kadash was saying. He'd never had much of a mind for history that didn't relate directly to the command of armies. The problem, bright one, Kadash said, was mysticism. The priests claimed that the common men could not understand religion or the Almighty. Where there should have been openness, there was smoke and whispers. The priests began to claim visions and prophecies, though such things had been denounced by the heralds themselves. Void binding is a dark and evil thing, and the soul of it was to try and divine the future. Adolin froze. Wait, you're saying... Don't get ahead of me, please, bright one. Kadash assured, turning back toward him. When the priests of the hierocracy were cast down, the Sunmaker made a point of interrogating them and going through their correspondence with one another. It was discovered that there had been no prophecies, no mystical promises from the Almighty. That had all been an excuse fabricated by the priests to placate and control the people. Adolin frowned. Where are you going with this, Kadash? As close as I dare to the truth, Bright One, the Arden said. 
as I cannot be blunt with you. So that's a very little interesting interaction. Um, yeah. So basically, Kadash is like, I can't say he's mad, but he might be. Yeah. And he also kind of goes, and if it's real, that's between God and your dad. That's not my place. Yes. Um, which seems like a fair thing to say. Yeah, because if you're if he says bad things about the guy who owns him, he can get, you know, like in trouble. Yeah. And so uh he he's avoiding it. He's tiptoeing on a line of like, your dad's mad without yeah. actually saying it. And yeah. the thing is, um, like I, the reason I wanted to talk about this, I've noticed it when I was reading. Other books would have had this whole conflict as the main conflict. This is history. The history has this whole complex lore yeah. that that is somehow, who knows where it folds in. I mean, I know where it folds into the timeline, but you yeah. don't know where it folds in. No. Um, and so like, they, there's lore here that is easy to pick up. Priests took control of the church, uh, lied for a while, yeah. got to overthrown. That could be a story on its own, but instead that's just in the past and it's part of the like culture of the now. Yeah. That's cool. That is cool. I agree. Um. Anyway, after that little interaction, and, and basically Kadash says he's on the verge of madness, but he can't say it. Yeah. Uh, it cuts back to Dalinar, and uh, Dalinar and Renarin basically uh talked for hours with Kadash. With sorry, with uh Teshuv. Yeah, with Teshuv, and Dalinar and Renarin uh walk towards the king's chamber. Yeah. Outside of the king's chamber, there is a uh another high prince waiting for his time with the king. Yep. And the high prince kind of like is gonna try and you know be mean to, to be mean to, Kaled- to yeah. Dalinar. And um, Dalinar just kind of walked into the king's room and put and made the other high prince not the happiest camper. Yeah, that he got to quote unquote cut the line. Um, and oh well, what you gonna do about it? Oh well, um, here's where we actually learn. Um, well, sorry. Essentially, Dalinar is just having his own little mind problems that he's doing. Yeah. And he he's going to see the king. I'm going to skip over all the internal do- dialogue he's doing with himself. Yeah. Uh, you can go read that. He's having struggles trying to figure out what he should do, what the next steps should be uh-huh. in order to, to, like, unite them like he keeps hearing in his, yep. in his visions. Yep. Um, And then uh, he finally finds Elikar. And uh, Elikar is looking at the shattered, at the shattered planes and asks, do they watch us at night? And D- Dalinar is like, I mean, you know they do. Like, we know that their bands travel at night. Like, that's, yeah. But the question is more of a hypothetical. Like, Elikar is not actually looking for, like, an answer. Yeah. It's more of, like, the acknowledgement that, like, things watch, you know? Um, And, uh, you know, Elikar looks at Dalinar and says, you look, you look thoughtful. And I'm just going to – there's a lot of intricacies in this interaction. I'm going to hit it very blunt, listener. Okay. I'm not going to go into the depth of every detail of this interaction of, of every person's thoughts and reasons for what they say. Yeah. If you didn't read it, then Sucks that's to be you. your own problem. Um, And then uh, basically Dalinar's here and he says, we need to figure out a way. Maybe we should go home. Yeah. And Elikar is astounded by the idea. Yep. No, that is not the Alethi way. Can you, you let them win? We're killing them. We're winning. You yep. can't, we cannot go home. But it's been six years. Nobody wants to do this garbage anymore. Yeah, and also, uh, Elikar's like, wasn't this your idea? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, basically, Dalinar is upset with the way things are being run, f- war-wise. Yeah. Elikar is offended that Dalinar would would question his leadership, essentially. Uh, and Dalinar basically is like, we need to figure out a way to actually win. What we're doing now is playing a game. We're not winning. Yeah. And, uh, 
Elgar says, you think I'm a poor king, don't you, uncle? And Dalinar says, of course not. And uh, Elgar says, when you look in my eyes, do you wish I was my father? And Dalinar says, of course I do. But I'd be a bad brother if I thought otherwise. And that still does that still does irk Elgar, though. He's not a huge fan of that answer. Yeah. To be honest, I can't really blame him. Imagine, imagine your uncle looking you in the eyes and saying, yeah, I do wish you were my brother. Yeah, like you, I wish. You I were, mean, I love you, but I, I wish you were my brother. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I understand both sides of yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Like I understand Dalinar's side because obviously he would want his brother to still be alive, right? To, to still be king. But I also understand um, Elokar's side of it because that would suck. Um, and then he also goes. Um, Elokar compares him to. Uh, compares Dalinar to Gavilar right before Gavilar died, saying like, "You're starting to go crazy like my dad did before he died." Yeah, which is a baller insult oh for sure dalinar says make me high prince of war that almost gives me foreshadowing vibes like <laughs> Patterson is like okay Maybe. keep this in mind like i do really get i don't think dalinar's gonna die right but i get foreshadowing vibes is, is if maybe he will almost die soon or something's going to happen to him soon right that's what i think that's a theory um good theory thank you you can't make a theory. Something's going to happen to the main character. Well, that's no, gonna, yes, just, you're going to be right no matter what you no, say. I'm just saying that like <laughs> that sentence there feels like foreshadowing. Yeah, to me, it does. Is what I meant. Um, and then Elokar, uh, so basically, um, Dalinar asks, "Make me the high prince of war," and Elokar's like, "No, our, we will lose all the other high princes. If I made you, they already don't like how extra you get, like attention you get from me. Yes. If I made you this thing over them, they would throw a, a hissy fit." Yes. And um, eventually, uh, Elokar brings back up the, the strap, the thing, saying, you don't even believe me right now. Are you even taking seriously the strap? And Dalinar says, yes, we are. We're looking into it. And what have you discovered? And he says, nothing conclusive. And Elokar says, it was cut. And uh, Dalinar shows that he doesn't believe. And that makes Elokar very upset. Um, and basically, you know, they're angry at each other. Elokar wants to be trusted and thought of as a powerful king. Yeah. And Dalinar wants Elokar to do what he thinks is logical. Uh-huh. And there's kind of a clash there. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dalinar, Dalinar, Elokar brings up the fact that Dalinar is listening to this book that are written by the crazy fake people. The Way of Kings. The Way of Kings. You're, re- you're reading The Way of Kings. It was written by the Lost Radiants who are evil in their lot, in their, you know, remember from Cal's chapter? They're, they're kind of like the evil people who abandon the humans. Yeah. Um, and Dalinar's like, it was not written by them. It was written by a random guy. It was just used by them. And Elokar's like, hmm? yeah, you're defending the book. Okay, Dalinar. <laughs> um, and then Elokar de- says, uh, Dalinar says, I am not getting weak. This conversation has gone off the path. The High Princes need a single leader to force them to work together. I vow that if you name me High Prince of War, I will see you protected. And Elokar's like, Mm-hmm. The way you protected my father. That's awful. That is the worst thing you could have said. And Elokar recognizes that right away. But like... I should not have said that, he said. That is the worst possible thing you could ever say. That's just horrible. To be fair, Elokar does make a good point. He says, you are changing though. If if anybody had said that to you 20 years ago, you would have cut their head off. You would have killed them. Yeah. And now you just say... You, you actually said, it's true. I needed to hear it. The idea that that is the case for you, the, the guy who's known as the Blackthorn... Something yeah. is changing in you, Uncle. Yes. Um, basically, yeah. Uh, Dalinar then kind of leaves, uh, and he he basically yeah he leaves. And as he's leaving, he's thinking about uh, how he's going to get something to work. How he's going to unite quick. the yes. 
he does kind of manage to uh, convince Elicar to make him the the high prince of war. Yeah. He does manage to kind of convince him that he says basically that like six years ago doing that would have been a mistake, but now that feels like the best right. the best next step. And Elicar says that if you can convince them to let you, like if you can convince them to let you, I will name that to you. Yes. And so Dalinar, as he's leaving, is thinking about who she who who he should approach first about this interaction. Yeah. And uh as he's thinking, Renarin goes, Father. And Dalinar looks to the side and sees, oh no, there's a high storm brewing. Yeah. And I'm not in my war camp or my bunker. Yeah. Um, and so he says, We ride. And he tries to take his uh he tries to gallant his Rashadium. Yeah. And fly back to his kingdom. And he doesn't quite make it. He's almost there. He makes it to the gate of his kingdom, makes it through. He's like, I can make it. I can make it. And yeah. then decides, Renarin keeps going, Father, as it gets closer and closer to the point yeah. where eventually Gal- Dalinar's like, fine. And he runs into a just regular bunker. Because yeah. One With like cool all thing, the soldiers and stuff. One cool thing. No one in Dalinar's kingdom needs to pay to stay in a stone structure during a high storm. There, you get free protection from that. I love that. Another reason I like Dalinar. Dalinar makes good laws. Yes. Uh, and he runs in and he says, maybe this time I, I'm okay. Maybe this time nothing will happen. Then the, the, the storm wall hits and it says, the storm wall hit. It began. Yikes. And now we get to go to Sydney's chapter. Yay! If you were that was falling asleep, you have now <laughs> yeah, woken up. <laughs> good morning, listeners. It is now time to get into chapter 19. I feel like that chapter took forever to get through. That chapter reading it took forever to get yeah, through. Yeah, so uh, welcome back if you felt bored for any any length of time. Don't be mean to me. I did my best. No, you I did, did my great, best with what I was given. You did a good job. <laughs> I, you're good. So this chapter, chapter 19, is called Star Falls. And I'll read the little letter thingy. So it says... He holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Ponder on that for a time, you old reptile, and tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm. Because I assure you, rays will not be similarly inhibited. So, real quick, actually. While Colton, at the beginning of his chapter, I went through and typed out all of the letters. Yep. Um. So, I will read that at the end of your my chapter. chapter. Okay. Um, I'll read the whole letter thing, at all that we have so far. So, just right. wanted you all to know that. So, you can be prepared if you haven't uh, done what I did because I decided to be extra. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so Dalinar uh, blinks. So it starts off with Dalinar blinking. He he wakes up in uh, a vision. So he's in the middle of vision. Um, he's no longer in the the uh, barrack anymore. There's no longer the storm. He's instead in a barn of some sort. Yep. Um, it's not a well a well uh made barn. Um, we actually find out this is his twelfth vision now. Yep. Which is interesting. Um. Not in a, a well-made uh, barn. It's really dark. Um, something has moved in the darkness, and he's like, "Oh my gosh!" What he is almost that? punches it. Yeah, and then he realizes it's a, it's a tiny child, yeah, so a little a little girl. And the girl looks at him and goes, "Father, father, what is happening?" And Dalinar's like, "What? Yep. Who are you?" And basically, he's become somebody else. So yeah. he he's not himself in this. He is in the mind of someone else, and he uh. She's obviously freaking out. She's really scared. We don't know why yet, but she's really scared. Um, and Dalinar is like trying to make her like, it's, like, like her. yes, like he's like, it's okay. It'll be fine. Um, and the girl asks about her mother and he's like, she'll be fine. It'll be okay. Um, the girl kind of huddles up closer to him. And as like, they're like sitting there in the dark, uh, Dalinar starts to get this, like smell this really weird scent in the air. Yep. And then something scratches ever so lightly at the barn's wall. This just whole, whole section gives me like horror, horror movie yeah. vibes. 
if this um, was made into a show or a movie, this would be scary. This would be the, this would be like a horror shot. That'd be so scary. If this was made into a show, here's what I would do: end the last episode with the storm wall hitting, him collapsing, and before the episode actually ends, show him waking up in the dark barn, and then looking left to right, and then cut to the next yeah. episode. So I would I would start end the last one with the beginning of this chapter essentially. Yeah, because I think. That would be less confusing than opening an episode and being like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, I'm constantly but... thinking about that with this book, by the way. How I would <laughs> make, this, how I would make a, a media out of this. Yeah. I, I would do great. Colin wants to do so badly. Brandon Sanderson, if you ever listen to this for some reason and you want to make a, a show out of this, contact would, Colin. I'll make a great – I'll do any job you have for me. I'll do so good at this. Yeah. <laughs> Colin would be ecstatic. That would be would so would make his ecstatic. entire life. Entire life. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, so they hear this scratching, and all of a sudden, the building just explodes. Like, the one wall just explodes inward. Right. And um, basically, this giant, like, they can't really tell what it is. This giant black thing. It's bigger than an axe hound, um, which I think an axe hound is kind of like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. This giant, like, thing that's unnatural thing that Dalinar's never seen before comes in. The girl, like, screams and is freaking out, and Dalinar is like, Basically saves her life multiple times. Because um, that's what he does. Yeah. He starts, like, fighting the best that he can. He has nothing to really fight with. Right. Um, and he realizes that this thing can't see. It can only breathe. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's sniffing them out. Um, so it it knows where they are purely because it can smell them. Um, yeah. But Dalinar, you know, is, is trying to dodge it. Uh, the thing is, like catching him and like it's just a whole a whole crazy fight scene that it's hard to explain but um yeah basically re- read the book if you haven't it's a already. good fight scene it's it really is a, it is a really good fight scene but it's hard to explain um they do manage to get out of the barn mm-hmm. um so downer's got the girl in his arms and they do manage to get out of the, out of the barn because he like cut open like a thing full of like dust and stuff and like yeah. threw it at the creature and it kind of disoriented the creature made the smell hard to get yeah um they run out outside uh they uh Dalinar realizes they're in like a small village um so there's like you know rocks on one side to protect them from high storms and they're in this little village and they're actually on a farm yeah um is where this this barn is and he sees like a farmhouse sitting there and so he he starts running towards um the front door on the, the farmhouse and the farmhouse is actually like the walls and like the doors are all boarded up and he gets to uh the front door and uh gets it open and inside is a lady who is the mother the mother of this girl yes wife of of uh well, heb is yes the name. so basically dalinar is inside a guy named heb and heb is the girl's father and this guy's uh husband or this girl's this lady's husband there we go i don't know why this lady is heb's wife yes this lady is heb's wife yeah. um and uh they shut the door and dalinar uh can see the thing like outside and it, it comes at the window uh it crashes the window and basically this thing is like it's got like really slick slimy black, s- slimy skin yeah i pictured it when i pictured it in my head i kind of pictured it as like a, a panther looking mm. thing mm. because you know how like panthers are black right yeah like i, I pictured it as like a black panther but with like really like, forever <laughs> but like a, <laughs> a, a <laughs> bigger like a bigger than a panther like a little bit bigger than a panther but with like like no eyes and like yeah the shape of it for me not fur just like uh, yeah. slimy skin i picture instead. it for as the alien from alien 
just the head if the head had four legs. I don't know what you're talking about. So you keep going. I'll find a picture of the alien from Alien. Okay. If you if you are don't know what it looks like, look up the alien from Alien. Then picture just the head if the head had four spider legs crawling out of the sides. <laughs> I think that's more terrifying than a panther. Yeah. But this thing also has like claws, which is why I thought I thought pan- panther. But um, basically, this thing has uh, crashed in through the window. And Dalinar's like yelling at a, Xenomorph. It's called a Xenomorph. The alien thing? The alien from Alien is called a Xenomorph. Let me see this thing. I pictured it as its head, just its head. Ew. With like spider legs. Oh, that's terrible. Eyes. I hate that. Yeah. I'd rather a panther than that thing. Like, look at that. Doesn't that kind of look uh, like a That's what I thought of. It's like a kind uh, of yike. A, I don't like it. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go look it up because it's really ugly. Yeah, it's the alien from Alien. Okay, anyways, um, Dalinar asked for um light because he wants to he you know wants to be able to see yeah um this creature has like now attacked him and has like slashed his face yeah. and he's bleeding um he does manage to get the get the creature off um and he looks around because he needs a weapon and he finds a there's a um like a a fireplace i guess yeah and he finds a little like fireplace poker yep. and he's like this is gonna have to do i have nothing else i mean that thing would make a great like weapon yeah also Light flickered on as the woman uncovered a lip pottery lamp. The primitive thing used oil, not stormlight. Yes. So this is a long time ago. Like, not in Dalinar's time. Yeah. They're also wearing, like, primitive clothing and yes. stuff. Yes. So it, it, this is from a different time. Yes. different A different time period, which is kind of interesting. Um, But Dalinar basically starts to fight off this creature. And as he's fighting it, the lady's like, where did you learn this? Yeah. How did you learn this? Like, What? Like she doesn't obviously know that yeah. this guy is not her husband, um. So she she's she's very confused. Um. She he takes up a stance called smoke stance when he's fighting, which his whole thing is like a stance for fighting, and it's about like keeping moving and like flowing yeah. like smoke. There's also another stance called wind stance, which is typically what he would do, but yeah. he does this later on. He takes up wind stance, but instead. smoke stance is for like defense. Wind yes. stance is for offense. Yeah. Um. But as he's fighting, he gets what he calls the thrill. Yeah. Um, which is basically he just gets like consumed with like energy. adrenaline and energy yeah. and all this stuff. Um, he like basically comes alive. His muscles know what they're doing. He has his muscle memory. Like, yeah, it's really cool to read. Um, this thing. He kind of like forgets about everything else happening around him. Mm-hmm. Um, but as he fights off this thing, he realizes that there are more outside. Lots. Um, there are you know other people in the village who are being killed right now by these things. Like, there's a crap ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um. He does manage to actually stab one of them, and the thing explodes like into like a balloon like, full of smoke. Yes, it just poof, smoke. Smoke. Then it like deflates. Yes, which is a like a balloon image. full of smoke. Disgusting image. <laughs> Terrible image in my in my opinion. Um, but as soon as he kills one, another one uh, shows up. So that's that's not great. Yeah. Um, he still continues to fight, and he he impales more, and the women is still like, "What is happening?" Um, and then uh, they take a moment to like breathe because they're not being attacked anymore. And the lady's like, I should have helped. I should have grabbed something. I should have done something. But like, you did that so fast. Like, how did you do that? Yeah. Um, and Dalinar doesn't get the answer. Instead, he's like, we need to get out of here. We need to get someplace safe. Is there a cellar? And the lady's like, oh, is, what? Is there a cave, man-made or natural? The woman says, no caves. How would men make a hole in the rock? Dalinar thinks, obviously, with shard blades. Yeah. What does this what does this imply? That she has no idea how to do this. They don't have shard blades yet. Or so somehow we're from a time before shard blades. Yes. Which are from the earliest we know 
there were the people at the beginning planted a shard blade in the ground. Yeah. So we this is as far as where do you think this lands in the timeline? Well, we know later in the chapter that there are shard bearers. Yeah, they're um, they're the knights radiant before they I became think, the lost radiant. Yeah. So I think that wait this who are the people at the beginning? Do you remember who they were? Were they not the? Aren't they the the heralds? The okay. The ten are heralds. Not the are they not the same thing as the radiance? They're the ten heralds who were the leaders of what's called the knights radiant. Okay. Yeah. So they, they they weren't the Knights Radiant themselves. Okay, okay. But they were but the they leaders were the of them. Leaders of them. Okay. So what time frame do you think this, this happens? Because the Knights Radiant appear. So what time frame well, this, this would have happened? I would think sometime before the whole giving up the blades, giving up the blades thing. And I actually think when they gave up the blades, it allowed everyone to get a blade, hmm. like blades to be more available. Because it sounds like at this time, just the Radiants and the Heralds right. had the blades. Right. So I'm thinking maybe when they gave up the blades. Others. Someone found them and were able to cre- create mm. them, or something along those lines. Okay. Like others were able to get them, That's and then that knowledge has been lost because we can't create blades. Yes. Yeah, you can only earn blades by killing somebody else who has yes. one. Okay. Yes. Something, al- something along those. Fair lines. enough. Okay. Um. Sorry, I just wanted so, to see if you got any guesses. Yeah. Uh. Basically, the lady is like, you know, um, how? What? You know, like Colton said, they don't have star blades and stuff, so they don't know how to dig holes in the rock. And uh, Dallin was like, okay, well, is there a river somewhere? We need to be able to wash away our scent so they can't follow us. And the lady's like, yeah, there's one over there. And um, uh, the, the uh, Dallin was like, okay, well, get the girl woman. And the lady's like, the girl? Her name is Celie. She's our daughter. And since when <laughs> have you called me woman? Is Taffa so hard for you? And Dalinar's basically like, I'm sorry, I have knocked my head. Like, he doesn't know where the river is. Yeah. And she's like, how do you not know way, your way around? And basically, he 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 says that he's hit his head and he's dizzy and it's hard for him to think. And she accepts that as an answer, which is kind of a good, thi- like, a good uh, excuse. Like, if you're like, my head's dizzy, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to think. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. Um, But she accepts, accepts that as an answer. And as they start to uh, run towards away from the village towards the river, um, Dalinar asks, he says, are attacks by these beasts common? And she says, during desolations, perhaps, but not in my life. Storm winds, head, we need to get you to. And then he says, no, we keep moving. Um, And basically he's like, okay, they've never had this happen before. What is going on? And we learn about the desolations a little bit, which is um, interesting. We don't know entirely what that is, but we know we learn about it. Yeah. Um, they continue to run, and as they're running, uh, they start to hear uh, scraping sounds, and Dalinar's like, crap, they're following us. And he holds up the light that they have and just sees a good dozen of like these things just starting to surround them. And uh, they do manage to find a rock that they, they stand on um, to try and get like above them a little bit and out of them. And Dalinar's like, I really wish I had my shard blade and my shard plate right now because I am screwed. This yeah. fire poker is not gonna work for me. What I wouldn't give for some shard plate. Yeah. I mean for real. I don't I don't bring him. I don't I don't disagree with him. I don't know why I said I don't bring him. That was weird. I don't bring him. I don't bring him. <laughs> um, but he they're starting to become surrounded and he's like trying his best to fight them off, but right. there's like a crap ton of ton of them, and he's like, Right, we're gonna die. He actually thinks thinks they're the void bringers that's what he thinks they are yeah um but he he's trying to like fight them off and the the girl and the lady so Celie and taffa are being like attacked as they start to climb over them but and then Dalinar, hold on sorry i was i was so excited for the button and Dalinar is like 
Why are you showing me this? Why must I live in this vision? Curse you. But then. But then. Streaking through the sky. A brilliant blue light falls from the air. Bang. Bang. Two people in gleaming, glowing sharp plate with glyphs on their chest. The glyphs of the night radiant appear. Storm lay raising from their bodies. Like they're like amazing looking. Um, they're, they're glowing in a way that bla- a sh- plate doesn't glow. Yes. Uh, and they they show up and they're like, it's okay. We got you. And they start fighting these things. Well, what does the woman do? She walks up. The woman, uh, well, she, yeah. The woman looks at them and says, you came. Bless the Almighty. No, what is, is what, what is about? what is the woman oh, Charbear do? Yes, the woman reaches out and touches um touches them and they get healed. So the woman uses like the woman just heals for them. Yes. What's the deal with that? Well, doesn't she have something that heals them? Like something special? Uh, does, she, does she have a? Does she have a? I think she just touches them. Um. Holding something oh, bright. It was a topaz entwined with a hel- heliodor. So yeah, it's it's something that he doesn't know about. If he, if she has yeah. something helping, he doesn't know about it. Yeah. Um. But anyways, yeah. So she heals them, which is really good. Yeah. And Dalinar also thinks this is a woman shard bearer, and he's never seen that because in his his life they don't have woman shard bearers. Rise up, women. Woo woo. Women, 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 women. On this show, we're pro woman. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, and you have a problem with that, you can leave. Yeah. Um, Dalinar, so they start fighting. They start fighting these things. And Dalinar's like, I want to help. And immediately jumps out with his little poker to start fighting uh, too. Oh, and, and I the- love Dalinar because he's like, seeing this vision, no, no idea what's happening, almost died, got healed magically. He grabs his fire poker, shrugs, and goes to fight some yeah, more. And the That's freaking Dalinar. Taffa is like, what the heck what are, are you doing? doing? Um. But she doesn't do anything to stop him. And the female sharp player turns and sees Dalinar and is like, well, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they, the other, the, so the two sharp bears start fighting alongside him. And which is really cool. It's like a cool image in my mind. This would be such a cool, as you've stated before, would be such a cool fight scene to see in like a, in yeah. a movie. Um, and they start to fight him and they do manage to kind of get rid of all the things that they have around, like all the little creatures, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Um, and the lady says, the lady or the man might be mm-hmm. the man. I don't know. One of the one of the uh, night guys says, uh, "Well, I must say that I've never before had the pleasure of fighting alongside a comrade with such unconventional means." <laughs> and Dalinar's like, "Wow, he's talking yeah. to me. He's talking to me." Um, but uh, the guy also asks, "Who trained you in the sword?" And Dalinar doesn't really answer. And uh. Taffa answers for him and says, this is my husband, Heb. He's never had a sword, as far as I know. Yeah. And the knight says, your stances are unfamiliar to me, but they are practiced and precise. This level of skill comes only with years of training. I have rarely seen a man, knight or soldier, fight as well as you did. And Dalinar continues to remain silent. And the Dalinar's just like, like glaring. <sighs> Dalinar's like, or, yeah, Dalinar's not responding. And uh, the lady, the person's like, okay, no, don't answer. That's fine. Fine. No words for me then. Yeah. Come to Eurothiru. Yeah, and Dalinar finally says, what? You're a Thiru? He's heard that name somewhere. Yeah, and he recognizes it. And the knight says, yes, I cannot promise you a position in one of the orders. That decision is not mine. But if your skill with the sword is similar to your skill with heart, 
with hearth tending implements, <laughs> then I'm confident you will find a place with us. If you can swing a sword as good as you swing that that poker, <laughs> you can kill giving it a place. Um, yeah, but basically they're offering for him to come join uh, them, start learn how to fight and stuff Be like that. Be a knight's radiant. Which is really cool. Um, the ones who betrayed the humankind. Apparently is apparently. what we've heard. Do you not think that's true? I don't, know. Mm, what do you think happened? I think that maybe they had to... You know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I think happened, but I, I, I think that they didn't actually betray. I think maybe that for some reason they had to give up whatever they were, kind yeah. of like the heralds did. Yeah. I wonder if they had to like kind of give up for some reason or something like that, and it just got twisted. Yeah. And people started to think that they actually betrayed them. That's okay. my thoughts. Or they Fair had enough. to do something. They were forced to do something that they didn't want to or something. I don't think yeah. it was an intentional betrayal. Okay. Okay. Um. Anyways, uh, Dalinar actually asks uh, what year it is because he doesn't obviously know. And we learn it is the 8th Epoch, 337. And Dalinar's like, what? What are you talking about, my man? What does that mean? Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And he's like, where am I? And the the lady's like, or one of the knights is like, are you not healed? Does this thing not work? And basically he's in a place called... Natanatan. Natanatan. Uh, which is where the, the Shattered Plains currently live because Natanatan has... live there. <laughs> <laughs> where the Shattered Plains currently are. Sorry. Where the Shattered Plains are now used to be Natanatan. Yeah. Um, and basically, uh, Natanatan's uh, fallen a long time ago. The the city has. And he asks if they fight for the king. And um, she says, the Knights Radiance for, fight for no king and for all of them. Yep. And uh, he actually learns that they live in Eurythiru. 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 Nope. Eurythiru. That's what I said. You said Eurythiru. Yes. You need that. That's what I said the first no, time. No, you said Eurythiru. <laughs> it's Eurythiru. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I meant. <laughs> that's, where that's where their orders are centered. But they live in cities all across Alethala. And Alethala is. The historical name for the place that is now Alethkar, yep. where Dalinar lives. Yes. Um. So that's really interesting. Yep. Uh, to learn. So basically, uh, we're in we're in history. This is history that I'm seeing. Yes. Um. And basically, he's like, "You live there," and the woman says, "It is our duty and our privilege to stay vigilant for the desolation. Our kingdom to study the arts of of war, so that the others might have peace. We die so that you may live. It has ever been our place. That." Sounds weirdly similar to freaking Kaladin. Yeah, seriously. Take, take the place at the front. It's my honor to die for you. Yeah. That genuinely sounds so similar to Kaladin the way that he thinks, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, but again, she ans- or she offers him the chance to to fight with them, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I think. Um, and Dalinark knows kind of, he says, desolation. That means void bringers? Yeah. And he asks, are these the, like, are these things we've we've been fighting Voidbringers? Yeah. And she says, no, this was Midnight Essence. Um, and she says, though, who released it is still a mystery. So we don't mm-hmm. really know what those are um, other than really freaky Black Panther looking things in my brain. Uh, al- with claws. Aliens from Alien with with six legs in my brain. <laughs> uh, which is worse. And basically they, they say that uh, the desolation is close. Yeah. Which means something for sure. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a theory about We've that. We've heard about desolations before, haven't we? Yeah. So my, I actually it. have a theory about that. Okay. I think 
that during the desolation, when it when it showed up. Oh, during the intro was during the desolation. Remember? Yes. So we know that they gave up, right? So, so the heralds did the, the thing. This is the la- So they mentioned that desolations come. Uh, they come occasionally. Yes. It's not like one event. There there have been many desolations. Yes. Yeah, I think this was probably the ro- most recent one. You think it's the same one and as during... the one they put their sword in? The yes. Ground. Okay. Yes, I do. Um, I mean, I don't know that, but I do think they're the same. Okay, so um, basically they're like, wait here, you know, call out if they return. Um, I don't think they will, but I will hear you if they return. And um, so it's, it's Dramatic reading time. Okay. For this interaction between him and Taffa. Is that where you, you're at right there, right? Yeah. Here it goes. He turned back to Taffa. She stood on the trail beside him, eyes looking oddly distracted. Taffa, he asked. I miss these times, Taffa said. Dalinar jumped. That voice wasn't hers. It was a man's voice, deep and powerful. It was the voice that spoke to him during every vision. Who are you? Dalinar asked. There were one once, Taffa, or whatever it was, said. The Order's. Men, not without problems or strife, of course, but focused. Dalinar felt a chill. Something about that voice always seemed faintly familiar to him. It had even in the first vision. Please, you have to tell me what this is. Why are you showing me these things? Who are you? Some servant of the Almighty? I wish I could help you, Tava said, looking at Dalinar but ignoring his questions. You have to unite them. As you said before, but I need help. The things the knight said about Alethkar, are they true? Can we really be that way again? To speak of what might be is forbidden, the voice said. To speak of what was depends on perspective, but I will try to help. Then give me more than vague answers. Taffa regarded him somber. Somehow, by starlight alone, he could make out her brown eyes. They were something deep, something daunting, hiding behind them. At least tell me this, Dalinar said, grasping for specific questions to ask. I have trusted High Prince Sadius, but my son, Aladdin, thinks I am a fool to do so. Should I continue to trust Sadius? Yes, the being said. This is important. Do not let strife consume you. Be strong, act with honor, and honor will aid you. Finally, Dalinar thought, something concrete. He heard voices. The dark landscape around Dalinar grew vague. No, he reached for the woman. Don't send me back yet. What should I do about Elokar in the war? I will give you what I can. The voice was growing indistinct. I am sorry for not giving more. What kind of answer is that? Dalinar bellowed. He shook himself, struggling. Hands held him. Where had they come from? He cursed, batting them away, twisting, trying to break free. And he's back to reality. Oh, that's, the ghost gravity. Oh, sorry. Oh, um, that's such an interesting little reaction because we get to kind of hear from whoever this person is who I think is probably like the almighty or something. Are like visions that. real? What? Are the visions real? Yes, that's I what, think so. You think they're real? Yes. What, who's sending them? I think it's either the all. I think it's either the Almighty or like one of the heralds. Okay, could actually be one of the heralds. Are you asking me? Could it? I can't tell you. That. I said could be. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. I thought you were asking me if I could tell you. I'm not going to tell you that. Tell me. Tell okay, me. Tell next, me. Next, tell next. me. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> you want to know? No. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> that'd next. be a spoiler, Colton. Spoiler. Okay. Next question. We're not done yet with no, this chapter. I know. I'm saying next question. I'm like, next theory. Oh, finish what happened. Sorry. I thought we were... I was like, what? He's back to reality. That's the end of it. Well, okay. He's back. Uh, he wakes up. He tells people to take their hands off of him. Renarin's looking at him like, are you okay? Yeah. And Donald says, I'm fine. It's fine. And he retreats to the back and everyone's staring at him. 
And he he says, he thinks, the vision has told him to trust Sadius, but he'd never be able to explain that to Adeline, who not only hated Sadius, but thought the visions were delusions from Dalinar's mind. The only thing to do was keep going as he had and find a way somehow to get the High Princes to work together. What do you that's think? The end of the chapter. What do you think about the vision telling him to trust Sadius? I think that it's true. I um, I think that okay. I know Sadius is not our favorite. Oh, for sure. But I do think that they are going to have to work together, and I think Sadius truly cares about the kingdom. Yeah. I think he cares more than a lot of the other high princes do. Yep. So I trust Sadius, even though he's not my favorite. Okay, fair enough. Is that everything? Uh, yeah, I think so. Read us um, that letter. Yeah. So okay. While, as I said earlier, while Colton was reading the beginning of his chapter, I went through and looked at all of the little pieces of the letter we have so far and yep. put them together. So I'm going to read them real quick. Wait. Yes. Sydney, while you're reading, consider these two questions I want to ask you. Okay. Who do you think is writing and who do you think is receiving this letter? Oh, boy. Begin. i probably going to have no idea. Still, um, still think about Anyways, it. okay. So it starts off. Old friend, I hope this missive finds you well. Though, as you are now essentially immortal, I would guess that wellness on your part is something of a given. I realize that you are probably still angry. That is pleasant to know. Much as your perpetual health, I have come to rely upon your dissatisfaction with me. It is one of the, the Cosmere's great constants, I should think. Let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. I have found a good home for it. I protected safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. You do not agree with my quest. I understand that so much as it is possible to understand someone with whom I disagree so completely. Might I be quite frank? Before you ask why I was so concerned, it is for the following reason. Atti was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. Rays, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I had ever met. He holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Ponder on that for a time, you old reptile, and tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm. Because I assure, Rays will not be similarly inhibited. Okay, who wrote it? That's definitely a letter, and definitely all just shoves together. Yeah, who wrote it? Okay, um, I think that. Okay, I think that one of maybe one of the other heralds wrote it. Okay, I think that it's going to someone like like a, like the heralds or like the Almighty or something. Why do you call him old lizard? Because just an they're yeah, just they're mean. friends. And, <laughs> just yeah. a mean thing. Yeah. Um. Because he also starts the letter off with old friend. Yeah, but they also so, say, you're, he, "I know you're mad at me. I know you always will be mad at me." So yeah. are they friends? Well, someone that they used to be friends. At, Actually, least, at least they used to be. You friends. know, it would be wild. What would be wild? Oh my gosh! What if this is from the future <laughs> and not the past, and this is Dalinar running the Sadius? <laughs> Maybe it's from the future, not the past. Wouldn't that be crazy? I mean, that, I mean, it would be crazy. That's for sure. All right. Um, I just think keep, I'm just throwing that out there as a, as a possible thought because I really have no idea. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I think, Sydney, that it's time. Do you think it's time? Absolutely, I do. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and rank the characters. Woo! Here we go. Yeah. The, uh, this week, the characters. Oh, you read who we saw. Yeah. So this week we saw Sil, Kaladin, the Apothecary, uh, Gaz, Rock, and Teft. Um, well, there were also some a lot of other named people in that section. But, but they we didn't decide, talk. Yeah. They we decided talk. not to worry about them. And the Apothecary, we counted because he talks a he lot. Talks a lot. And, and that's his title. His title is Apothecary. Yeah. Okay. Um, then we saw uh, Yis, Adeline, Averan, uh, Elokar, Jan- uh, Yanala, Dalinar, Tishav, Ronarin, and Kadash, and then we saw 
Seely, Taffa, and then the Woman Knight and the Man Knight, who didn't have names, but we named them Woman Knight and Man Knight. Beautiful. <laughs> yep. And then the, this week's ranking that we ranked them for just this week, the ca- the ranking goes, Kaladin, saved a lot of people. Dalinar, seems to really care. Yeah. Still, cool, funny lady. Teft, helped Dalinar, helped Kaladin save people. Yep. Renarin, brave, kind, good-hearted, good yes, boy. Yes, good person. Adolin, bad with women, otherwise fine. Rock, was helpful, a little bit snarky, but was helpful. Yes. The two knights was helpful. Um, Seely and Taffa, because they're they're likable, scared people. Yeah. And then we've entered the zone. Oh, Kadash, we also liked. And then we entered the like, Elokar, he's okay. Apothecary, okay. Yes, Everin, Yanala, and Tevit, Teshev, we have no opinions on. So they yeah. stuck at the bottom. And then Gaz, we wish was dead. Yep. Like then, always. What's last week's top five, bottom five? So last week, our top five was Kaladin, Sil, Dalinar, Shalon, and Adeline. And then our bottom five was uh, uh, Laryl, Moash, Nonbalat, Sadius, and Gaz. This week, our top five is Cal, Sil, Dalinar, Renar, and Adolin. Everything's the same, except Renarin jumped up two places, and now is Shalon got kicked off. And Shalon got dipped on. Which is sad, but it had to happen because we haven't seen her in so long. I'm a big fan of her still. I'm a big fan of Shalon, but I feel like we needed to get her off because yeah. it's been so long and I really really like Renarin and I wanted Renarin to be on our, our list at least once yes and for our bottom five we have Elokar who is a new addition yes Laurel who is an old addition who's gotten one worse in our opinion weirdly yeah. without being seen because Moash was fine then the last three say the same Nambalat Sadius Gaz yeah Elokar just got added because he was kind of a butthole to his uncle yeah weirdly rude and I'm just not a huge fan of Elokar. Yep. He's kind of boring, kind of a whiny butt, kind of a butthole. Absolutely. And yeah, Moash was perfectly fine in this chapter, so yep. there was no reason for him to be there. Alrighty. Thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode. Uh, yeah. We really appreciate it. Go ahead. Follow us on Instagram. There's a link in the description. Click that sucker. Follow us there. Uh, next week, Cindy, what are they doing? Next week, read chapter 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24. So it is a Five chapter week, 20 through 24. Five chapter week. Make sure you read that or, oh, Cindy will, you know, leave you to get trampled by an army. Yep. Just just leave you. Absolutely. <laughs> that is what I will do. You'll place your bridge down because you're a bridge man. Uh, this and the army yeah. will just run over you. And you better read to avoid that because I genuinely can't think of a worse way, worse way to die than That'd to get trampled. That'd be really crappy. Yeah. Trampled as death might be the worst way, in my opinion, to die. Either that or drowning, I think, or catching on fire. Drowning is scary. Catching drowning, on fire is fast. Drowning, drowning and being caught on fire are two of my worst fears. Uh, so t- she'll do those to you, too. Thank you guys. Oh, have, gosh. Somehow. Oh, no. Somehow, simultaneously, ca- caught on fire and drowned. <laughs> thank you. Guys. Make it make sense. Thank you guys all so much for listening to this episode. My name is Colton Brad. We also would like to thank Alessia for making our, our music. That is A-L-E-Z-E-I-A on Spotify. Thank you so much, Alessia. I'm sorry I forgot about you. My name is Colton Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyerly. I love you. Peace. Why are you still here? The show's over.